0: Greetings travelers, I'm Josh, and I'm Kahi, and we're
1: the Genshin Genshin Guys. Guys.
0: Welcome all this podcast is for fans of Genshin Impact, the mobile game made by Hoyoverse, formerly known as MiHoYo. Here we talk about our opinions, experiences, and dreams about Genshin Impact. We have new episodes every Monday, so if you like our show, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the podcast. So before we get
1: started, Kahi, how are you doing today? Doing good. Uh, I am loving this cold weather i'm getting much better sleep now um having more frequent days off instead of working six days in a row like how it's been for the last two and a half weeks they finally fixed that schedule so i'm good good today how about you josh how are you
0: uh yeah i'm good as well i've been um doing i've just been playing actually i've been playing a lot of mobile games but i've been working and um my work situation is changing so uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to have to keep up with it, but I'm going to make sure to make time for the podcast and Genshin, of course. Um, so that being said, let's get started by introducing today's topics. Uh, today we're going to be mostly talking about the Archon Quest. So hopefully you've finished it by now. If you have not, I will tell you when we will start the discussion so that you can skip it. Um, I will put the timestamp in the description. But uh, our topics today in order are Week in Genshin, Genshin news, Archon Quest, and then community discussion, as always. Now, uh, let's get started quickly because there's a lot we want to talk about during the Archon Quest. But uh, first of all, my week in Genshin. Bouken da bouken!
1: Kahi, how has your week in Genshin been? So, I had more than enough to get a guaranteed 5 star for Nahida. And I think I told you this earlier, right? Mm -hmm. I finally got my first five stars since the banner came out, and it's freaking Tainari. (laughs) I have put him at the bottom of my roster list. No artifacts. The grayest, greenest weapon I can ever find. I am keeping him at level one. He is not going to get any ascensions or levels. At least he's a new character, Dendro character. Come on. He's so fun. I will use Kale if I need a Dendro bow user. He ruined my pity for Nahida. So I'm keeping him down there because I finally got Nahida after 50 bucks. (laughs) So I'm just going to save for Dia and I'm going to put that nightmare behind me. Um, other than that, I've also been leveling. Oh, I got my Nihita to level ninety today, which is great. Oh, congrats! Um, her elemental mastery is at like six hundred, and that's with like the free Mapamari nice. catalyst. I might, I might switch it out for Widsith, but uh, I don't want to level up another Width Sith because I have Width Sith on Yaimiko, which is probably better, arguably. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'll keep I'll keep this one for now. I don't really think I need her five-star weapon because I just I have a weapon I don't need it to be a little strong I don't need that little extra power I just I just like having the character itself um but then I'm also (laughs) because of all the other characters they announced I'm trying to level up my hazel because if they're doing anything to animal later on I I still want to I still want to level up hazel because he's his fighting style is really cool um and I got him to level 80 ish yeah, low 80, and he has, what, 1900 attack, 150 crit damage, and like, I think 40 crit percentage. And he's doing really well on, like, a full-on, like, melee team with Chi-Chi, um, who, is, who else is on the team? Shincho and Kuki. And it's just, it's just great. I just need to find a way to just get his cooldowns really low. Maybe I gotta put another animal character with him. But, yeah, that's pretty much my weekend Genshin, um. Obviously the story, which is what we're going to talk about today. Um, but yeah, just saving up for the next big character coming out later on. Um, anything that you are doing in your teams lately? Anything that you are prepping for? Did you get Nahida or no?
0: Yeah, so I got really lucky. Uh, I got Nahida after like 50 pulls. Um, and I won fifty-fifty 50 for like the fifth time in a row. So... Um, I, oh my I, I, my luck has got to run out eventually. Right. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to run out with Sc- Scaramouche, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so Nahida, I got her to 80. I'm working on getting her to 90. I'm also leveling up, um, Toma because I want to use him in like a virgin comp. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've been trying to farm artifacts for Nahida. I cannot get good drops for the dendro set for elemental mastery. Um, but I've also been seeing some interesting comps that use her with a Gilded Dream set, so that's that's good because I have some good Gilded Dream set stuff. But but yeah, other than that, um, oh by the way, with Hazo, my my Heizo team is um, Hazo, Kazuha, Shingo, and Shunha. So like kind of like similar to yours, but like yeah, like freezing them is good because then they don't get pushed around when you punch them; they just like take the hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been I've been using that um, kind of recently as well of forgot about Hazo because like dendro came out and i really do enjoy playing Hazo so um it's just collecting the bugs is kind of like whatever for me it's they're, they're they're everywhere so um it's not easy to farm them in the same sense as it is easy to farm like some other stuff but uh but yeah so i finished story i finished he does quests her story quest as well which we will not talk about this week but we'll talk about next week and um, I've been just farming resources and trying to be as efficient with resin as possible because my goal is still to get every character to 80 and then eventually to 90. Um, so I'm just trying to do what I can to to farm and using up resin when I feel like playing a little bit more, using up, um sorry, uh, fragile resins. Fragile resins? Yeah, yeah. the the moon-shaped things um, for when I feel like sitting down and playing for a while. But yeah, other than that, I've been having a lot of fun. The story quest was amazing, and we're going to talk about that today. Uh, in our later segment. So moving on to Genshin news. <laughs> so in Genshin news. We have birthdays. Of course we have a birthday. To celebrate November 2nd. Xiangling, um The first character I C6'd. Not on purpose. She just she just kept showing up. Um, I I really love Shangling and her design. And obviously she's like a foodie. So that's really cool. Um, and then we also have. The drip marketing. For Faruzan and Scaramouche, right? So, really, really excited. Like you said, animal characters getting a little bit of. What did a you say, Faruzan and, and who?
1: Scaramouche. Oh, I think you mean the Wanderer. The Wanderer. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's right. He's marketed officially. Right. Right. Okay. Sorry. The Wanderer. I wonder what, I wonder what the story behind that is. Yeah. Well, that must, that must be a lore implication. Yeah,
0: because because like um. We still call child. Oh, we call child child, right? Not Tartaglia. Oh no! It is Tartaglia. Yeah,
1: right? that's what we know. him as. Okay. Oh, his, I mean, his, you know, Schneiderian name is Tartaglia. Right. Wait, no, no. no. His, his harbinger name is Tartaglia. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. But like and in the game, has, in, his, but in the his, game, it says Tartaglia, because he's still a harbinger. So maybe he's still a harbinger, but we can play as him. But maybe um, Scaramouche renounces his harbinger name, and maybe he just becomes the wanderer. Who knows?
1: Oh, that could that could yeah, be it. Because I know Rosaline was Senora,
0: right? But I mean, like in the game, like when you're when you're looking at characters, like you know, it says their names. It says Tartaglia, not Child. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll mm. see what happens. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, in other news, the Adventure Trials events co-op, like the co-op event that is uh, going on right now. Um, is available. So you can all the characters are trial characters, so you don't have to have any characters. They give you the characters that you use for the event. Uh, so that's really great. And um then we also have the genius invocation TCG coming soon. I'm super super excited for this. I um I was just talking to Kahi. I play on the Asia server and Kahi plays on the America server. So if I want to play this game with Kahi I have to level up my American account ASAP. So I'm going to be working mm-hmm. on that right. as soon as I can. Um, and yeah, so I'm really excited for this TCG thing. I love TCGs, like digital TCGs, so um, that should be fun. And um, one quick thing I wanted to share from the Twitter is the Tavat Times Volume Five. So uh, it's since the since Sumer update, they've released some uh, stats that were gathered from across all the servers except China, I believe, and. Um, if we look here, it says things like, Hello, Traveler. During your trip to Sumeru, many interesting things have happened. In addition, you've also experienced many highlights during the Wineless Fest in Mondstadt. Lucky for you, Paimon has recorded all these moments. Come take a look. So, let's see. After the release of... and this is funny. After the release of version 3.0, the Statue of Seven in Sumeru was first unlocked by a Traveler from the Asia server. That's interesting. So, like, the first person who unlocked the Statue of Seven in Sumeru was from Asia server. Which makes sense, because I'm pretty sure Asia server comes out a little bit before... America. So, um, yeah. And then let's see, uh, da, 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 da. so the, our data reveals that six thousand six hundred thirty-two thousand nine hundred ninety-four travelers were defeated by angry sumter beasts. <laughs> and I wait, really? Yeah. And I think that's because it's like, possible? they're so, okay. they're so like, if you're in the standing in the wrong place, like if there's something behind you and they charge at you, you get, you get animation locked. You just get hit like a yeah. And then you can die if you don't have I've a. I've only
1: seen that, but wow.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's happened to it me, but I've never died. I don't think I've died from that. So that's funny. And then there's like. No, there's like a pack of them. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's just kind of like. I don't know. They're. Honestly, I've never thought that they were even like a threat until like that happened to me randomly once. I was like, I didn't even know they could attack you because <laughs> I always kill them before they have a chance. Um, but look mm-hmm. at this. red vultures. so I think this is like a thing in the desert. Red vultures have recently become a favorite target for archery enthusiasts. According to our survey, an average of one million four hundred seventy eight thousand five hundred fifty three red vultures are shot down every day.
1: And I had a feeling a lot of people were gonna try that because when they're flying, the only way you can knock them down is, of course, you got to use a bow. And everyone's going to be like, I want to try. That's so funny. Try and Just knock one down. And some, some people found the formula already. I know. So good, what right? Technique. Um,
0: another one was, uh. when exploring the desert, did you see the tumbleweed drifting in the desert? 81%, 81.37% of travelers chose to break them, which allowed them to obtain the achievement drifting in the wind. That's great. Yeah, of course you want to break those. Why wouldn't you want to break those? I think I got that, yeah.
1: Um, Okay, I probably ran into wine.
0: One traveler seemed to be very passionate about breaking tumbleweed, destroying 294 of them in one day. (laughs) (laughs) I like how they mentioned it says, it doesn't say like travelers. It says a traveler seemed to be very passionate about breaking. Like they probably saw this number. They probably saw this number and were like, what the heck was this person doing? Let's call them out in this day about
1: time. An extreme outlier. (laughs) That's so
0: funny. Like probably the next one was probably like, 20 or something and then this guy just like 294 of them. Um that's so great. Uh many travelers have attempted to enter the gigantic robot in the desert. However, you are never safe from danger on your journey. Paimon's investigation reveals that unfortunately, 349,337 travelers were defeated by the lasers fired by the gigantic robot. Dang. That's pretty great.
1: I usually stay away from that robot because I don't really have a reason to go there yet. I mean, I got the the few little dendroculus that was over there, but yeah, I don't really need to go there right now. Same. Um, and
0: uh, I'll just mention this last one. There's a bunch more if you want to look at it. It's on their Twitter. But um, do you remember the uh the wine the wineless fest in Monstat event? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. there was the one mini game event that was like find those like hidden treasure chests hidden by the NPCs, right. Or hidden by just the characters. Oh yeah. Um, it says according yeah. to our statistics in the first phase of that event, 43% of travelers found all of them in less than 15 minutes, like all of the first
1: eight. So that's an interesting statistic. Within the first 15 minutes.
0: Yeah. So, so like, you know how like they, the, it came out and oh, then, no, I misread that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first phase of the event. So like, there's like three phases of that event where like you unlock you do the first eight and then you unlock the next ones and you unlock the next ones um the first one 43 percent of travelers found all eight of them in like less than 15 minutes which is uh which is great because they're pretty easy but um it's just an interesting statistic to have like they probably have something that's like how long did from starting the quest did it take for the traveler to find this thing and uh i'm just i'm kind of surprised by that so Cool. So anyway, Teva Times Volume I, 5. I it, yeah. Pretty interesting. Yeah, I definitely believe that for sure. Um, Teva Times Volume 5 is really interesting. I would say check it out on their Twitter if you are interested in just seeing some of these like stat numbers across the entire player base basically, uh, excluding China. And um, yeah, so that is the Genshin news. So there is one last thing that we want to mention before we end the news section, before we start talking about the Archon Quest, which is uh, a comment posted by a Redditor named um, Friendly Cockroach 52 <laughs> uh, said their topic was, mm-hmm. is it okay to main Chi-Chi? And uh, then the description says, many people say that she is a bad character and many people dislike her, but i main Chi-Chi and I'm starting to wonder if it's really okay. So this goes back to this meta versus fun discussion that we had in the past. Kahi, what do you think about this, this
1: discussion, this statement? um what what really got to me about this one is that it's a person i'm i'm fairly certain this person isn't just posting as a joke but this person feels like it is wrong to main a character that is typically looked down upon in the group here's the thing about a, a meta when people all start talking about meta or this is the most effective this is the strongest you have to use they start to feel like they have to use these particular characters but then when people who have no idea what the meta is and just genuinely play for fun are playing a fun character are they receiving any kind of remarks that they shouldn't be are they in this particular situation where they're looking at their gameplay style as generally frowned upon as well I, this, this is a um, big problem with how people look and try to, I guess, overcomplicate a game or try to take it too seriously than what it is built for. You start to infect the thinking process of someone else and how they're playing the game. If I take a game too seriously and I frown upon people who aren't taking it as seriously as me, I'm basically making them feel bad for them playing how they want to play it, it it goes back to this whole thing about why people play games in, in the first place. You, you have to look at a game as fun first. If it ain't fun, stop playing. But if you have a person who wants to remain a character and thinks that it's wrong or has some kind of apprehension, or some kind of you know reservation that, should I because other people tell me I shouldn't? Or I want to because I want to. They're, they themselves are being less likely to play how they want and find their own fun because other people aren't having fun because they're mad about the game. You see, like it this is like a manifestation of people being overly influenced by people who are taking the game too seriously and who are playing the game for some other I don't know, other overcomplicated reason. If I'm trying to play a game to have fun and I want to feel like I'm I'm playing the game that how I want. You know, it's all goes into this whole circle all over, all over again. People are mad that there's no end game. It doesn't really matter all that much because there's other reasons to play the game. If you can't find one, you do not have to stick with it. If you, friendly cockroach, if you want to main Chi Chi, please do it. And really do not listen to anyone who tells you no for whatever reason. Because... The game can be played by one character throughout the entire thing, and you can basically get through every quest with one character. So don't let people tell you that, oh, no, you're playing the game wrong. There's no wrong way to play the game. You have a guy who's l- literally hunting tumbleweeds. <laughs> there's, no, there's no wrong way to play this game. But this, it's just sad that you have people g- trying to genuinely ask, am I doing the wrong thing even though I'm having fun? It's it's kind of concerning to me, but that's just that's my thoughts on it.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I agree definitely in that, like, you can play this game in so many different ways. Like, I think that the only thing that could be even considered remotely the wrong way to play a game is if you just keep doing something and you keep dying <laughs> and you can't progress. I guess that's the only way I would even consider the wrong way of playing the game. But other than that, like you can do whatever you want, like you can play any character, you can use any ability, you can not use any abilities, like you can, you know, enjoy the game. Like you said, if you want to do tumbleweeds, like this game, especially is like getting more and more diverse in the things you can do. So like you can, you can fish soon, you're going to be able to play trading card game in game with your friends. There's events where you just get trial characters and you don't even have to have any characters to, to participate and you can do co-op and there's so many things you can do. Um, and I think that it definitely is not good for the community, uh, especially newcomers to the community if we're like basically bad talking or bad mouthing anybody's choice of character because you know there's, there's something for everybody. And I think that that's a really important mentality to have. And I, I agree that it makes me feel like um, it makes me feel bad for the people who, who just want to play a character and other people are telling them they can't do it or, or, or play a certain way and other people are telling them they shouldn't. So, yeah, I think we got to remember that it is a game that is supposed to be fun. And I think that, to be honest, compared to other games, even by the same company, Honkai and soon to come Zenless Zone Zero and Honkai Star Rail, like, there, there are different games for different people as well. So if Genshin isn't doing what you wanted to do for you, then you can go play a different game. But I don't see any reason to impede on someone else's enjoyment of the game um, because of your own opinions. And um, you know that that just seems like it's bad for the community at large. So yeah, so that that's how we feel about this topic. Um, definitely, you know, friendly cockroach, feel free to. Uh, play Chi Chi. And um, anybody out there, if you're wondering if it's okay for you to play a character, if it's okay for you to build a certain way or to have a certain team, um, you know, feel free to. And if you're, of course, struggling with uh, in-game content or something, it's always also okay to ask for support and advice. But, you know, how what you choose to do with that information afterwards is up to you. So definitely hope everybody is out there having fun playing Genshin and not in it not becoming a stressful experience, especially to be in the community, because I feel like this community is one of the most wholesome when it comes to a lot of different aspects of Genshin. So that's our two cents on that that situation. So that is our Genshin news segment for today. Um, Next, we're going to go into our main uh, section, the Archon Quest discussion. Um, And we will be spoilers talking about spoilers for the story so if you have not yet completed the story i recommend that you go do that before listening to this podcast uh before listening to this section and uh if you have not yet doing if you have not yet done it but you still want to listen to us talk about uh genshin like we will be of course doing another episode next week but after this uh section we will talk quickly about the community discussion discussion from last week so if you asked a question you want to hear our response to it uh, feel free to skip this section which I will put the timestamp in the description and then you can hear it and then come back and listen to this section once you have finished the Archon quest okay and this is just the Archon quest not Nahida story quest so uh, feel free to um, finish the uh, Nahida quest at a later date but I would say if, as soon as you can finish the Archon quest so that you do not get spoiled anywhere else <laughs> so all right Please, so that is picking you yes that it is so good so that is our spoiler warning you have been warned feel free to pause the podcast now and go play it and then come back uh, that is also a thing so great let's get started so let's talk about the archon quest chapter three act five akasha pulses the kalpa flame rises from genshin impact and um, we will talk really quickly. I will just summarize what happened in this Archon quest, and then we will start talking about our takeaways and, um, you know, interesting lore bombs that were dropped and our opinions and thoughts on that as well. So it's going to be a pretty lore heavy discussion. So, um, you know, sit tight and, uh, let's learn together. Okay. So first part of the Archon quest is the... Uh, quest titled Through the Pre Dawn Night. So there's five subsections, five um, sub quests within this quest. And um, Through the Pre Dawn Night, uh, just as a quick summary, is um, the plan that Al Haitham, Sino, uh, Dea, and the Traveler put into, had to have, have discussed, is uh, started to be acted on. And the first major part of the plan was getting the uh, Aramites into Sumeru. So trying to sneak them in through Sino's um, authority as the general Mahamatra. And um, we kind of get like some... Like we don't get told the plan right away. We kind of have this like sort of nonlinear progression where we're going through the plan and then we're getting a flashback of like when they talked about the plan. And it, uh, it keeps things interesting for sure. So this this um, beginning part ends with getting the Eremites successfully into Sumeru. Um, now the second subquest which is as by a god's side um we talk about Tanari's encounter with Dottore we see like a flashback of that happening we see Dea and Dea's encounter with Dottore you and Dea are following Dottore he spots you at the dock in Port Ormos and um you basically know that he's he knows what you're up to um later you see the balladeer through Balladeer's connected consciousness, um, he's talking to you, but Paimon sees you kind of just zoning out and talking to nobody. But actually, Valadier is talking to you and confronting you, and um, then he gets angry, and Tanari gets struck by lightning because <laughs> that the Balladeer creates, and is kind of out of commission for like the the next half of the of the quest. But um, the plan is proceeding. Uh, the plan is proceeding pretty well, um, and Nilu... Is the doctor leaves um, Sumeru and Nilu is recruited into the team into the plan, which was kind of part of the plan in the first place, but um, it ends up working out anyway for them. Now, uh, part three is uh, Janagar Janag- Janagarbade Janagarbade Nagarbade Jagarbade. I don't know. So uh, this day is the day that the uh, academia. Uh, annually, I believe, um, puts more information into the Akash Terminal. They update the information into the Akash Terminal. It's a big deal. Um, now, during this day, you go with Al-Haytham to confront Azar, the Grand Sage, who is the leader of the scheming of creating a god using the Balladeer. And you, uh, you confront him. Um, you and al and Paimon put on this act that makes it seem like Azar is in control, but actually, you everything is according to plan. Um, you go into a, a kind of jail cell that is near Nahida and near the san- the sanctuary of Sar- Sarastara, and you are able to connect to Nahida and wake her up through your connected consciousness. What I really love about this scene, by the way, is that like the traveler has like fully actual voiced lines, which is super cool, and I really really hope that they did do yells. that more. Yeah, he's, Nada!
1: <laughs> Complete opposite from his quiet, like silence. So what's what's funny is
0: um I did this quest with my with my wife side by side, and she has Lumine, and I and I have Aether, and so. Aether is like actually just screaming at the top of his lungs, but Lumine's not. <laughs> so like, Lumine's like, oh what? Lumin's like Nahida, but then Aether's like Nahida. <laughs> like it's it's really uh really intense, but uh but anyway, it was, it was interesting to see it both um both ways, and uh so yeah, you wake up Nahida, or your your yeah you wake up Nahida, reach to her consciousness, um. Nilu, as part of the plan, does a dance outside of the academia to distract the guards, um, and uh, there's this whole thing about Alhaitham putting um, false information into the Akasha, and then Sino confronts Azar um, a- at the sanctuary where um, Nahida was held, and basically, you know, uh, Sino shows his scary side, which is pretty cool, and then the next quest uh, is where the boat of consciousness lies now um, you go back to the sanctuary of Sarastana with Nahida and um, go through this like passage to reach to where the balladeer is and then you fight him right and you fight the you fight Scaramouche or as he is known is the, uh, the everlasting lord of arcane wisdom and you take the gnosis from him and you defeat him you take the noses from him um he gets a little bit you get like a little bit of a sympathy moment for him but uh you know ultimately he is the bad guy and then he uh what's it called and then you enter lord ruka devada's last memory using the what does it say it says you manage you managed to defeat Shoki no Kami with Nahida's help. She walks forward and takes the Gnosis away from the Balladeer. Having lost the Gnosis, which now houses all of his strong obsessions, the Balladeer falls out of his giant mechanical shell in despair and drops to the ground. Now, with the power of another Gnosis in her hands, Nahida can finally understand the final memory of Greater Lord Ruka A divine knowledge capsule materializes in her hand. This is the last memory of the Greater Lord. And so you together enter this knowledge capsule. Um, it's like a sort of different space where this knowledge capsule is and you travel on the boat of consciousness and make your way to the memory of Irmansoul where greater Lord Ruka Devada left her consciousness as a uh, last part of her consciousness to keep back the, um, the corruption that was harming Irmansoul. And, um, your job is to get rid of this last memory of her to be able to or nahida has to get rid of this last memory of greater lord ruka so that she can finally cleanse irman soul of the corruption which is now tied to greater lord ruka last like pieces of consciousness um and so it's a very it's kind of abstract and kind of confusing uh, i think at first but as you're going through it it sort of makes sense that um you know, the, that Greater Lord Ruka Devada sacrificed everything she had to stop this corruption from spreading. And um, the only person that can finish this job is the the reincarnated version of herself, which looks the same, by the way, um, which also implies that they are kind of actually the same. Um, but there is, uh, you know, a lot of difficulty in Hida trying to process what she wants to do, because if she does this, if she cleanses the Soul of the memory of Greater Lord Rukkhadevata. Everyone will forget her. It is like the Great Lord, Greater Lord Rukkhadevata, never existed. And so, with a lot of crying and hugging, uh, Nahida does what she has to do, and she erases Lord, Greater Lord Rukkhadevata, and her memory from Soul, clearing the world of Elazar, and um, fixing Soul, right? And so. I think this does not affect the uh, the withering spaces that are around. There's still more to this story, I think. Yeah, but, I thought that was
1: weird. Right? Yeah, I think there's more. There. We
0: still have that one area, too, that's, like, blocked off that has, like, the all the withering stuff coming from it. So, you know, that might be something in the future. But for now, Elazar is gone. And, uh, like everyone has forgotten greater Lord rukadavada there's like a sort of a uh, different memory, a different history that everyone seems to remember now instead of greater Lord rukadavada dying and being reincarnated um everyone seems to remember that uh, greater lord uh that Kusanali or they just say lesser Lord kusanali I don't know why they say lesser Lord kusanali if there's no greater lord but <laughs> they
1: they <Right>. they they, <laughs> they like the honorific still there yeah,
0: I don't know if that there's some like translation thing for that or something but um Basically, they just remember Kusanali and how she got base, um, kind of uh, captured and stopped by the sages, but no, or and then like kind of like uh, disowned by the people because of stuff that happened before. But um, they don't remember anything about Lord Greater Lord Ruknivada except the Traveler does. So, and their explanation for this, in a way, is that, or at least Traveler's understanding of the explanation for this is because Traveler's not from this world. He's not tied, or she, is not tied to Irminsul the same way that everybody else in Tevat is. And so Traveler retains the memory of everything that happened exactly how it happened, including with Greater Lord Rukhadevada, but even Nahida herself does not remember. Now uh, Paimon also does not remember. Implying that Paimon is tied to Irminsul and that Paimon is also from Tevat, which is what we know, but... At the same time, a lot of people, you know, are suspicious of Paimon because we don't know anything about her history or background. But it, but she also does not remember. Supposedly, she could be acting, but we don't think so. Um, at this point, and so as soon after that whole thing happens with the memory erased, Traveler is thinking about telling Nahida about Greater Lord Rukkhadevata, but um, is struck by a, a weapon that was produced by the Academia that Tatore has. And um, him and Paimon are knocked unconscious while Dottori has a one-to-one conversation with Nahida about a lot of things um, regarding the lore of the world, which we're going to talk about in a second. Um, and uh, that is the end of the uh, fourth part of the Archon Quest. And then we move on to the last part, which is a toast to victory. So you were knocked out unconscious. Um, you were brought by, I believe, Sino um, to back to Tanari's medical hut where you first started. And you are being treated by Cole. Uh, it's been a couple of days. Elazar is gone. Cole's Elazar is gone. Um, Danyarzad's Elazar is gone. Um, Danyarzad is it? Danyarzad wanted. Oh, Nilu wanted to have a party for you in the uh, in the great hall in the gathering place where the where the stage is. Um, and so you're. You got the invitation for the party, but n- everyone else didn't seem to RSVP yet. So you have to go check in on everyone manually. And so you get to see what everybody's up to afterwards. You get to see what Tanari's up to, Cole's up to, Sino's up to, Dia's up to, um, and uh, Al them is up to. And you in- go and personally invite everybody um, to the party. Now, when you go to meet al you meet Kave, his roommate, who is uh, supposedly going to be another playable character soon. Five star, four star, we don't know. But uh, this blonde guy who has some reputation to him that we do not really know much about, which I think we will talk about in a little bit. But he um, <clears throat> he is apparently al roommate. And uh, we don't know too much about their relationship other than they fight a lot. And uh, so there's that. And then uh, they have the party. Nahida doesn't have time to physically go attend the party, so she takes <laughs> over your consciousness, um, your your body, and then she attends the party as you, um, I mean, as herself through you, and so she tells everybody like a personal thank you, and, um, and, you know, it's a really heartwarming moment where everyone is enjoying their victory. Now, you meet up with Nahida later, and she does tell you that... Um, she knows a little bit of information or she has some information regarding your sibling and that your sibling has no recorded information in Irminsul. So even though everybody... Oh, no, no, sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry. The the opposite. So your sibling um, has information yeah, recording you. in Irminsul, mm-hmm. but you do not. And um, so she assumed that you wouldn't because you are not from this world and so is your sibling. But so if so, why does your sibling have have information recorded in Irminsil. And so this is a, a great mystery. Um, she, We find out that you are something that the Fatuis are uh, called descenders, which are people not from this world. And um, the, the you are the fourth known descender. So you are the fourth known visitor from a different world to come to this world. And that does not include your sibling. So who are these people? We don't know. You know, is it, Uh, jeez I don't know we can't even begin to guess right now but um, this just implies that there is going to be some like you know other world other universe sort of uh, implications um, when it comes to some characters we might meet in the future and the story going forward which is really really exciting um, and that's kind of where the quest ends. Now there's more. There's more continuation a little bit about like Nahida and what she's doing afterwards in her story quest, which we will talk about next week. But at this point, you've uh, you the quick summary is that you came up with the plan with your friends. You uh, confronted the sages, freed Nahida, defeated Scaramouche, uh, learned a little bit about the lore um, through Dottore, who was oh, by the way never actually gone from actually detori what the detori left sumaru but he reveals which we knew this from um from a different from like one of the mangas but detori actually has clones of himself in different stages of his life um and they all act independently and um there is there was a lot of implication about like how he negotiated with nahida and how he he negotiated with her for the gnosis and, and all this stuff but um that that Datori that we saw leaving Sumer was actually a different Datori. So, uh, just you you find that out, and then um, you find out that Elazar is gone. That you were successful in stopping in curing soul to some degree, and that you are the fourth descender, and that your sibling is significantly more tied to Teva than you are. So, lot and lot of story things, lower things in this quest. Um, so, you know before we like start getting super into it um so kahi has prepared a uh a visual for us that has the quotes the direct quotes from characters in the story and we are going to uh look through those and talk about those and what are what we think about the implication the story implications now i have a lot of um prepared things i want to talk about as well so we're going to try to do this uh in a timely manner but we do have a lot to talk about and it is very very interesting. So. Um so sit tight. Alright, so uh
1: Kahi, take it away. Alright, so this uh, this isn't like all of these very specific quotes, but it just is a particular moment during the speech that is definitely worth talking about. Um when Nahito was talking with Dottore, and you know Dotore, you know, puts us to sleep and he's trying to get the Gnosis from her. She threatens to destroy it and is the first time she ever brought up a phrase called the heavenly principles. Now, the thing about her using the phrase the heavenly principles in the statement itself, uh, at least in English, heavenly principles are not capitalized. So they're not necessarily people or entities, but they are probably just like effects, kind of like how we. Use, uh, the word God either with a capital G or a lowercase. I don't think it's ever used as a lowercase G. But, you know, when you're talking about like heavenly principles, are those like living beings or are those things that are like effects or powers? Now, Dottore, his reaction is a little bit interesting because, uh, what does he say? He first reacts, to awaken the heavenly principles. And he questions whether it's really possible, so he's he's interested to some degree, but he also is kind of wary. He knows what they are, obviously, and the doctor can't really decide if he wants to take this gamble, so to speak. But you know, he he just kind of takes a step back and he just starts to listen to what Nikita's demands are. So Nikita uh, can't actually use the gnosis. now. This is an interesting one too because. The people, humans have had instances where they can use multiple visions because we had Kazuha where he has his animal vision. But when he was, you know, confronting Raiden Shogun, he awakened the Electro vision. Even however briefly he was able to use two. The Archons, however, are limited to only one, so they can't wield more than one in battle. It Maybe they can use it in another way, but I mean, no, he does use her the energy or the power of the Gnosis to, you know, get the the whole memory of Ruka Devata going, but can't use it in battle. So it's not like she can wield multiple elements specifically, but can use and channel the power some other way. So I thought that was interesting. Um, but Dutore, of course, knows almost just as much, if not just a little more, than Nahida because he then went on to say something about that quote from Scaramouche way back in the day, and that one was, ah, uh, let me see if we can pull it up, do you know what the rumor that the skies of Tevat are fake? So Skaramouche was the first one to ever say that, like the first big event way in the beginning of, you know, year one Genshin. So... Totori is kind of like showing off his, his extent of his knowledge at this point. You have the God of Wisdom and a mere mortal having the same amount of information, but Totori still finds out more. The heavenly principles. Josh, what do you think heavenly principles are?
0: Okay, so um, heavenly principles. So, okay, so this is where I'm going to bring in some research here because this is, this term kind of caught some of us off guard, I think. And, um, and so I I did some digging and research. Um, so the, let's see. (laughs) So she talks about the being a descend descendant, right? Like, I mean, sorry, she talks about the world's descenders, right? So can we talk about that first before we, before we talk about the, um,
1: yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's another phrase that just came up now. This heavenly principles and descenders, um, and just as like added note um, later on in her, um, in her dialogue in her conversation, heavenly principles then became capitalized. So I just thought it was weird that it wasn't capitalized when she first brought it up, but then were capitalized later. I guess maybe the context changed, or maybe this it could honestly be a typo. You know, there, there's actually been several typos throughout this entire. No, but I, I'm
0: going to tell you uh, why it's not patch.
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. So, okay. So, so this, so this being said, right, the quotes that she says are, um, what does she say? She says, what if I were to destroy the Gnosis and awaken the heavenly principles and it's lowercase? And then Dottore says, is that possible? And then she says in capitalized, the heavenly principles have been silent for many years, but the Gnosis are symbols of their control over Teva and all the laws. And then I assume the heavy heavenly principles wouldn't just stand by and let extensive damage to law take place so that's capitalized heavy heavy uh, heavenly principles and then later um, she says the and a very important part of the Intel was about this world's descenders external beings ones that don't belong in this world <laughs> she says in this in this screenshot that's funny you are the Tevat's fourth descender you're Tevat's fourth descender and then says, um, that the first descender was the heavenly principles. Okay, so so let's look at let's look at descender first. So descender is uh it says here and I'm looking at the lower wiki. Um, you know, really really hardcore. Descender is a term used by Fatui for outlanders who do not originate from the world of Teyvat but come to live within it. The Traveler is the fourth person the Fatui have labeled as a Descender, and Lesser Lord Kusanali presumes that the entity known as Heavenly Principles is the first. It appears Descenders are not bound by the world's laws and are thus unaffected by circumstances that affect beings from this world. Furthermore, information and memories about them are not recorded in Ieminsul, which only collects information about Teyvat. Conversely, their memories are not changed when uh Irminsul is tampered with for example only the traveler remembers greater lord ruka after all traces of her existence were erased from imrinsul and thus from history and memory itself this change affects non-sentient items such as books and even nahida's profile description notably the fatui did not classify the traveler's sibling as a descender and despite supposedly coming from the sea of stars their travels throughout tevat following fall, the fall of kainriya have been recorded in Irmansol. Lesser Lord Kusanali believes this indicates that their sibling originates from Teyvat, despite the discrepancy with the traveler's memories. The traveler suspects that this means there's either something wrong with their own memories, or that this world has done something to their sibling. Right? Um, And so there are some like um, few possible candidates for the other three descenders, uh, but I think you know we'll need more information on that later. But um, we did actually talk about it before, um, in our lower episode about Alice, where Alice mentions that Aloy is actually from a different world. So, like, if those two people are considered part of the Descenders, like maybe Alice isn't from this world because she can she knows about other worlds. Uh, there's possibility that they're considered Descenders, but we don't we don't know anything about that for sure. Now, the Heavenly Principles. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, go ahead. So the Heavenly Principles. Um, it actually goes back to the unknown god at the beginning of the game. Uh, the unknown god where you, that takes your sibling, separates you guys, and that, that gives you a choice. And uh, when the traveler and their sibling are attempting to leave Teva, the unknown god blocked their path, calling herself the sustainer of heavenly principles, in lowercase. She denounced the, irrigat- the irrigation of mankind and engaged the twins in battle, and you know she attacks them. Now, Celestia, the, the, the place where the gods reside... Um, Celestia appears to either have established or act in accordance with the heavenly principles, um, which also means like natural order and is also translated as destiny or the divine. When the unknown God confronts the traveler and their sibling, she calls herself the sustainer of heavenly principles. And the term heavenly principles is often used as a synonym for Celestia. These heavenly principles are also intricately linked to the truth of this world. Erosion, or a person's gradual digression over time, is stated to be part of the natural order. Zhang Li suggests that the erosion that he has suffered was imposed on him by the heavenly principles. Quote and the last thing I'm going to say is, Nahida states that the heavenly principles have been silent since the cataclysm and theorizes that they may be awakened if a gnosis were to be destroyed, as the gnosis symbolizes their control over Tevat and its laws. Okay, so... It's all tied together, like descenders, Celestia, heavenly principles. It seems like they're hinting that these things are all intricately connected and connected with like the truth of this world,
1: of Teva. You know why I like this? Mm. Yeah, because now you have you have some sort of a system. You are you are you are now aware of a certain type of system, and you now are aware of effects of breaking its system. Mm. Um, for example, first prime example is the traveler. So, you know the phrase, like, Teva and its laws? Right. The heavenly principles having their, you know, natural order of things. Think of it like, you know, the laws of physics, you know, the laws of nature. Right. All right. So, you have the traveler who breaks a fundamental law of this particular world of Teva. And that particular law is to use elemental powers, you have to have a vision. Humans cannot at all unless they have that. So Traveler can use it without a vision. That's the one thing that sets him apart around from everyone else. Right. Obviously, he is obviously he is a very spe- special exception to a lot of the the laws that happen in the world. And then you have another example when he is the only one that is able to remember Greater Lord Ruka Devada. So the erasure from memory or that kind of data and information somehow cannot affect him. That's another kind of rule break or a law break so you you have an occurrence of beings that can break a certain law and the effect is this the other descenders um obviously we don't know who they are but you know now that they should have an ability that breaks a law of this particular world and that is fascinating because that is that's more than an elemental power that's seems like it's more than a god power because you can break a you can break a rule of reality so to speak so anytime we have a character who seems to work in very mysterious ways or hey how did that happen because normally it can't happen or you have a character who honestly it's not even that far-fetched that a character can fly but when something in this particular world happens and it's contradicting all the all the rules that you know of that's a descender now, the thing is that the Fatui are the ones bestowing this title. So the Fatui have been probably monitoring this for longer than anyone else has. Right, um, which makes me think they so, made first contact with the fir- one of the first Descenders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and remember, the Harbingers, their goal is to, as the first Harbinger put it, uh, we will seize authority from the gods. I'm, I'm starting to try and reinterpret that statement. Seize authority from the gods. Either they want to overthrow the gods or they want to be able to establish their own laws that contradict the laws of those gods. Maybe not in direct conflict. They just want the authority back. Because, see, someone's making these rules. Someone's making these laws. We want to be able to control that. Which which start, which makes sense why they would, you know, be plotting all of this kind of stuff that go straight into direct contact with all the other Archons, because you have Zhongli, who made the deal with the Sorita herself, you have um, Raiden Shogun, who was constantly being, like, interacted with by uh, Signora, and then you have Datore, who's basically going straight up against the uh, Dendro Archon, which is Nihita. So all of the other Harbingers obviously are going to try and interact with all the other Gnosis holders, which is the Archons, and somehow that's going to give them enough power to rewrite a law. And that's probably how they're going to his authority from it. I mean, we could, we could go off in the wild tangents about that, but still, the introduction of new verbs and phrases is incredibly great for world building, story building going on into the future because you're not just letting people catch up to a an assumed ending you're letting them know that no this goes further the story will keep going on the show must go on and it's it's a great indicator of a really long future plan So so I, I love all these little additions these little seeds they're planting now because they've been doing it for the past year they've been doing it ever since the game came out so i, I just love knowing just by all these appearances that The game has such an intricate plan, and they're not just making stuff up as they go along. They're planting, they're they're reaping what they sow. They are always going to have more stuff come up and make it feel like it's expected. So, like, if we have heavenly principles, if we have the descenders, and we have, you know, all of the archons and everything, who is there a particular phrase? that came up that was more interesting to you, Josh? Like, is there anything that you're probably going to be looking at more closely from here on out? Um, I mean,
0: the, like, the, just, like, the gnosis and, like, what exactly is it? Um, you know, now knowing that it's, like, because, because we know that the archons have a gnosis and that that has something to do with their power. And, but they also can operate without them. Or it seems like they're, they're, cause like something about like Venti's body was created by the power of his gnosis, right? Like we talked about in the Vanessa, um, in the Vanessa lore episode. Um, Venti's body couldn't be healed by normal means, but he could go back to the tree, but because his body was, it was because his body was specifically created for him. Um, and then like, you know, the, 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 archons can operate without their gnosis is, as we know from Raiden Zhongli and Venti so what, what exactly is like the gnosis like and then now that you find out if you break it it has to do with like messing up the laws of the world and like it might call down this heavenly principles which is like a person or some sort of system uh, like it's I'm just really curious like how they interact with gnosis is like and then what's ha- supposed to happen when um when uh they gather all of them like what their plan is are they gonna break all of them at the same time like maybe that's their plan i don't know like maybe the Tori made it sound like he didn't know but maybe he does he does know so i don't know the gnosis thing and this um the heavenly the heavenly principles thing uh, as well as the skies are fake <laughs> i don't think they're gonna mention it that often but definitely interests me whenever they say that
1: um keep in mind though um Nahira used that destroying the gnosis thing as a bluff because even she didn't know if it would. She said, I assume that the heavenly principles wouldn't just stand by and let such an such extensive damage to its laws take place. So the gnosis is part of the law. That's what when, when I'm, I'm reading. That's what I'm interpreting it as. So if that thing were to break, I'm curious, would it? I think it would. Because that's like, that's a piece directly linking, like, God to Archon. Well, like, why, and, why are they collecting like said, the Gnosis's,
0: right? Like, why, why are they collecting them, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, in this experiment with Dottori, he's, you know, they're trying to make a God. I'm assuming the people who made that big giant mech were the people from Shneznaya, Or, was, or is it Fontaine? Or, no, no it has to be Shnesnaya. Because you have incredible machinists. They're known for making machinery, and then they have things that can channel all of that energy and create a god. If you're trying to, I mean, if your mission statement is to seize authority from the gods, you have to have some kind of weapon. You have to have some kind of deterrent for something akin to a god. So if they're accumulating all of them, that's prob- that should give them enough power to create something to go up against the gods themselves or these heavenly principles that's I would assume that makes sense because if they only made seven, gnosis if is that the extent of their power or are they gonna use that seven to create an eighth or are they gonna use that seven to like just change something in the planet or in the world or eh, we, we we really don't know but Obviously, it can give more than just elemental power because you have Nahito who made it who used that power to see a a memory. Um. But maybe this it's just a thematic thing where you have seven gnosis, seven elements. Maybe that's maybe that's just a game a game thing. But you know that there's powers beyond just that. You know, a yeah. lot of power to. Transcend time, the power to you know revive people or like cross dimensions, stuff like that.
0: I mean, like I, I definitely think, uh, like I like to think about it through the lens of like it's connected to the Honkai universe, because Honkai has like
1: I want to believe it, yeah, yeah, because yeah,
0: it's it's changed. I mean, they're they, they seem thematically connected, and like you know they've hinted at it being connected, and now they're talking about people from other worlds, and like in Honkai, like I've mentioned before, there's like different elements. That are considered like quantum energy and stuff like that, and I'm one. I'm curious if we'll ever get to a point where we start having, you know, what what if they break Tevat's laws and then they just start adding elements, like you know what I mean? Like, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens, but I think it's really
1: interesting to think about the possibility. You know what this sounds like, though. I mean, based on like all these words and phrases that they're using, he's talking about like authorization. You're talking about um. Laws and principles, you're talking about like a framework of a system and you're talking about rules. It's it all it sounds all very script like, it's very scripted. Um did you see someone uh highlighted when you do Nahida's charge attack? Mm, no. Uh when she draws that box? Yeah. They slowed it down, it's a mouse cursor. Oh really? When it when the box is drawn, the three D box is oh, drawn the Oh like the diagonal, the to the diagonal line right? that goes up? Yeah. Yeah, oh. it looks exactly like a mouse cursor.
0: Oh my god, I see. it. I'm actually
1: like I'm so, in the game right now, and so I see it. Mm-hmm. And it it's also kind of strange that when she does her attacks, it's very blocky. Yeah, it's very digital. Because we have. Yeah, because when we have the first interaction with the celestial or with the unknown god, you know, what does her powers look like? Squares, blocks, pixels. So. It could. This is most likely wrong. I I'm definitely going off on a wild theory here, but this whole thing could literally be like one of some intricate some kind of intricate like computer program. In the Honkai universe. In the Honkai universe, yes, because Hong is very digital. Yeah. And this one's very not. So if if they're if they're trying to seize authority from the god, so to speak, are we trying to like reauthorize ourselves to write our own program if you look at it that's kind of what we're doing or that's kind of what the Fatui want to do It kind of leads us to our community question later on but that's I thought those very interesting small little hints they could mean nothing but <laughs> it's just fun little visual effects that kind of lead you to believe that it could be yeah like what's the implication right but um after after the whole like talk with Nahida thing, they started to talk about more about Fontaine, which is most likely the next place we're gonna go to. Yeah, well, it says um, the next space in our journey. Like they just say that straight up. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, there's <laughs> there's so many lines I have to remember. Um, what was that thing about Fontaine? Focalor, Focalor, yeah. So even then, Focalors will still make herself present at just about every trial. So Fontaine is known for a place with a very strong judicial system. It uh, seems that she just likes to immerse herself in that sort of atmosphere. Generally speaking, the Hydra Archon focalor's won't preside over individual trials. Um and all she says about her personality is that it's interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, there's not much to go on about that, but uh is there any Do you know of any other in, instance of the name folklore? Yeah, so I'm, I'm to gonna, me, this is the first time I'm hearing it.
0: I'm gonna explain that. Um I wanted to explain that uh Okay, I'm just gonna do it now since it's like timing wise. Um so Fogalore and 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 I wanna go back to like in the story quest, Buer, like her her name is uh her like god name is Buer. Oh yeah, the other name. Right. And so if you think about the other gods, do you know do you remember their names? Um uh, Morax.
1: Obviously, is you know, Zhongli. Uh-huh. Um, p- 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 Venti was Barbados. Right. You have Raiden Shogun, who's... Her personal name is A, uh-huh. but also was either... She had a sister, right? So it was Ball and uh, Beelzebub? Yes. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. Right? And so these names including Folklore, these are the names of demons in the Ars Goetia, yeah, like, know yeah, right? like, you know, we hear these across, across different, different, um, uh, pop culture stuff, social media, I mean, not social media, uh, media, like games and movies and stuff, right? Like there's like the, like hell oh. and this and that and that, right? Yeah, and, there's a root,
1: um, there's a root uh, right. inspiration, right, or muse.
0: Exactly, and so we have the supposed names like um, in some. Maybe there is, what's it called? Like the in-game lore books. Like sometimes they they talk about the other gods and things, and so apparently the hydr the pyro archon is going to be called Aim, like or uh, I'm like A Y M, and the Saritza is Barnabas, and um. Some people have pointed out really, really interesting things that might be a coincidence, but are most likely not in some way. But um, th- so this one, I think, is a coincidence. Um, Fishel's real name, Amy, is there. Is also a demon named Amy, <laughs> but it's a pretty common <laughs> name. So like, I don't know if that has to do with anything with anything. But maybe you know, maybe there's something there. Uh, all the other names are not used except for one really important name that is the name of a demon. So, um, what's it called? So like, I'm looking at like a, a wiki for the, uh, the Ars Goetia or like the, the 72 pillars or the Lemeshtan, like the lesser key of Solomon. Like these are all names for this, like a book of demons. Um, and so they have names, like they have titles. So like Duke Barbados, president Buer, um, president or count Morax. I think they say count Morax. Actually, I think the. The, the 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 boss fight call I think he calls him Count Morax um and is that what, Azdaha? Yeah, Azdaha. I think he says Count Morax in his uh translation for his subtitles. Um and then there is who is it President Amy and then there is um who is Folklore Folklore Folklore. Uh Duke Folklore. But there's one really important one I want to tell you about Kahi. There is what is it? King Paimon. Are you
1: serious?
0: The, Paimon is oh one of the names god. of the demons in the book that uses the no. same book that all the gods get their name from.
1: Oh my god.
0: Paimon is the ninth spirit of the Ars Goetia and the king of hell that is the most obedient to Lucifer. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs>
1: That is awesome. So
0: that's it. All the other, all the oh, other NPCs, all the, the other right? all the other characters, right? All the other characters <laughs> don't share any names with, uh, with any of the demons so far. So this seems like it was very much done on purpose. <laughs> but um, what, what that implies, we have no idea. We'll see what it means. But I just thought it was super interesting that this is the case.
1: Um, so if you want to talk about like crossovers to like other folklore or other mythology you know um you know the tree right right uh, you're familiar with the tree of you're familiar with the tree of Idris yeah yeah of course yeah the tree of life tree of beginnings you know the main tree that you know kind of where everything started yep there's like there's a root tree and everything kind of like starts to worship around it right um but then you also have the whole uh, concept of an eye so the the thing about an eye is obviously used to see i mean obviously but there's really? a particular one um odin <laughs> Anyways, there's a, <laughs> there's a particular uh f- particular lore um odin odin uses oh so you know odin thor loki of Marvel, course yeah the norse mythology celtic, the one. oh celtic north- celtic celtic sorry um, is it celtic norse north i'm pretty sure oh, so maybe it's else. north it's in that yeah. same region. Yeah. It's Norse. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Norse. Okay. But Odin doesn't have... Odin is missing an eye. His eye is actually in another realm. Right. And he uses that to see what's going on in that realm. Mm. So anyone who uses any any kind of like godlike power that uses an eye is looking into this this realm from another plane of existence. So Scaramouche was trying to conquer the Divine Gaze, right? Okay. Or at least that's what Dottori wanted him to do um that i could belong to the god that's been with us the entire time looking at us from the very beginning even like god's uh morax's hands when like one of his character teasers the hands had an eye on it and Mm. it was watching him um you had the eye on obviously all the Electro archons and all the anything dealing with Electro is the only element that is visually shown to have cut through reality to see into ours um even have sino sino's abilities you know have an eye always present on your screen looking into this realm hmm. so odin is the god of what thunder oh i, so, th- I thought you were gonna say eyes <laughs> that? No, no no but you know odin's whole thing is using his eye to see into this reality right and it only appears in electric abilities So, we might be meeting an Odin, or someone, or there may be another name for Odin somehow, maybe it is, maybe it's Thor, who knows, but they're using a, they're going to be drawing a little bit from Norse mythology, as they get closer to, you know, trying to look out of this, of this reality. So, if if we're already having names coming from this, um, these other established names of demons, and we always have the... Yggdrasil tree coming from other kinds of mythology we can kind of see where the inspiration is being pulled from and kind of draw some conclusions as to why they're using those names and what's who these other characters are going to be called. You right. can even try to assume their personalities too. But I thought that was, that was a good interesting connection between like godly powers, you know, the demon names.
0: Yeah. Well, like what's interesting is objects. like they're using, they're pulling from so many different, um, like mythologies for cultures, yeah and yeah, cultures folklore. for this like um for this game and so you know of course there's like a there's like a, I don't, there's an importance in representing it in 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 a fashion that makes sense to those who understand the original inspiration but so they can also do with it whatever they want so like you know we'll we'll see like how they take these like familiar themes and things across mythology and, and turn it and make it work for their like Tevat lore for their Genshin lore. And I'm really excited to see um, more of that, like, you know, more, more of the lore that we understand in some way and um, seeing how it plays out in Genshin. So yeah, super cool. Uh, yeah.
1: So um, to, to wrap up on uh, this kind of topic, just a couple of things about the other characters as we we're going through our, you know, little victory lap or as we are going to the, toast of celebration um, when we met uh, Kave uh, hmm. uh introduces him and says you're the renowned Kave, light of the Ksharawar, besides as a master, build, master builder and craftsman chances are you'll be appointed as a sage too um, the sage part isn't the important part but the important part is actually the master builder and craftsman this could be the first character that has a you know boost to your Serena teapot
0: Oh, we have one I don't think already. Any
1: character has any? Which one? We have one. I don't. Anything that um, the production of yes, goods in the serenity crafting pot. Serenity. I probably don't have them, most likely. Well, I mean, even if that's not the first, but it would make sense why this person's bonus would be you know, towards crafting materials or serenity pot because you're building buildings and you know furnishings but right. I don't remember if there was another character that had a bonus for furnishings.
0: Uh, here, Yoimiya. It makes sense why Yoimiya would have it. Duh. <laughs> My main oh. character. Uh, when Yoimiya okay. crafts decoration, ornament, landscape-type furnishings, she has a 100% chance to refund the portion of the materials used.
1: Okay, well, yeah. I would suspect that Kaveh would have a similar ability. Just yeah, I think so. They clearly say it right from the, out get, uh, right from the get-go. Um, and speaking of sages, uh, from that statement, Al Hytham says four of the six great sages were possessed by the desire for power and attempted to create a new god. Um, they imprisoned the other two rational sages. So two sages are actually still not that bad, and they're they're still in prison. Um, so we might be able to see them come out after since everything's kind of settling down. So. Not all the sages were bad two sages were kind of rational were probably more level-headed. Uh, they might be coming making the comeback in the near future. Um, mm-hmm. I also wanted to point out something about Dea this is really minor, but it's pretty interesting as to like where this mercenary is headed So Dea said when I took this job I had already decided that I'd quit as soon as you recovered. she's talking to Dunyazard and her Eliezer. but then when she says this next line, it's time for me to get back out there and chase that horizon. In the game, she is standing on the pier looking out to the ocean, saying, it's time for me to get back out there and chase that horizon. I think she wants to be a pirate. In which case, she might be joining Beto's crew. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Beto, that. <laughs> because Beto was the first time you saw, you know, the ship, the Crux. Then... Kazuha appeared when you went to Inazuma. Just before you went to Inazuma, and now we have Dea, who kind of wants to go out there too. Oh my goodness! I, I think I think she's recruiting like all of like these people from each region to be. <laughs> dude, <laughs> so Kahi,
0: you're friend. so dude, Kahi, you're so funny. Cause like I thought about this too because. Because this is because Beto's like like your favorite character, <laughs> and Dea's like your next favorite character, so of course you want them to be she's together, <laughs> <awesome>.
1: <laughs> but it makes sense there's a line there's a direct current connection now she's looking at the water, wants looks at the horizon, she wants to get back out there and just be a free spirit and everything. It makes total sense why she would she has a claymore. <laughs> beto has a claymore come on oh my god you're right it's
0: destiny oh my god so funny but yeah um we'll see right like i would love um to see the continuation during her her story quest right when she comes out as a character so that'll be fun
1: yeah Um, anything about the story that uh really really resonated with you anything that you really really want to look forward to in the in the future
0: um, I don't know about like look forward to like everything I have pretty much said most of the things that, that I'm really excited for obviously I'm super excited for Fontaine um, which is going to tie into the community question that I've set up for this week but um, Kaveh's background uh, I'm really interested in that I was just kind of browsing through the wiki and maybe we can do an episode on Sumeru and on the academia because there's so much information on the academia that I was not aware of. They have the names of everybody that's part of the six Darshan's and part of the six great sages and all this stuff. And um, I think it'd be really cool to talk about that and get some context on Sumeru for us. Um, I'm curious how much... I'm assuming that like that we're going to do... Because usually there's like one or two interlude quests before we move on to the next Archon quest. So um, I'm really curious if like Kave is going to be like a main player in this in this quest so that we can get to know him. Um, and, uh, you know, what, like just curious about whatever's going to happen next. Like, cause obviously Scaramouche is going to be part of it. I think Scaramouche, and I think, by the way, I, don't, I forgot to mention this. I think actually I did mention this to you, but like Farazhan is, uh is said to be a machinist. Like that, that's what they said in her, mm, in her yeah. um, official drip marketing thing. So I think that she is straight up from, Fontaine she's going to be like kind of like our Kazuha which was like the first character from a region we haven't been to yet um I guess Tartaglia technically that too um but uh but like right before Inazuma came out we got Kazuha and then now it's like before Fontaine's coming out we might get Farzan and um I'm really excited to see some of that like different style like using machines and stuff and fighting is going to be really cool so um yeah so we'll see I'm really excited about Fontaine and I'm really excited about finding out more about Kaveh and, and what happens during the what happens to Scaramouche during the interlude quest so yep pretty cool so thanks Kahi for mm-hmm. the uh, for the the quotes and for preparing the, uh, the keynote now um, so much story stuff to talk about you know we could keep going forever I mean there's so much speculation but we'll you know split it up into no more podcast episodes for sure so keep listening if you're interested in the story let us know, uh, tweet at us, what was your favorite um, part of the Archon quest across all of Sumeru, was there, did you like the sub festival, I know a lot of people didn't but uh, I thought it was pretty interesting um, I've this, these cutscenes like when you're fighting Scaramouche, so good the boss fight is pretty fun uh, very interesting, very different um, also it is co-op, so I, I didn't think it was going to be co-op at the beginning, but it's it's great because everybody gets their own little uh, little Akasha Neo-Akasha terminal <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, there, there's so many cool things to look forward to in the future. If this quest is an indication of, you know, where they're going with the story, I think from here, it's going to get crazy. I really think that like we've, we've opened up the door to like really interesting, intricate story plot lines that are going to all tie in together, hopefully in a really satisfying way, um, at some point. And I think that this game is going to go on for a really long time and it's going to keep changing. Like again, if Honkai is any indication um, they know what they're doing and, and I th- I'm really excited for it because this game has so much potential so so yeah, so um, that is our Archon Quest discussion uh, thanks so much for listening um, now let's move on to our last segment the community question discussion, so last week we talked about um, with what we know so far, do you think the Harbingers are good or evil and why? Now, uh, Kahi, what is your theory on um, what we, whether we think the
1: harbingers are good or evil? Ultimately, the the phrase "good and evil" is always going to be subjective, because what's good for this particular person can be bad for another particular person. But it's whether what, what are their intentions. Okay, now are their intentions good, and does that make them good or bad? I. I am truly on the side of the Harbingers, are on the side of humanity, which was what makes them good. But, obviously, there are a lot of villains who take that wrong route with the best of intentions and end up leaving a lot of, you know, collateral damage in their wake. So, I'm on the side of them being good, because they only the only way they know that we can win is to do all of what they're doing right now. Which kind of sucks for a lot of people who are caught up in it, but that's the only thing that they, that's the only way that they know that we can, you know, rise above the level of those gods and the, the, you know, heavenly principles and all that. So I'm going to, I'm going to think they're, they know what they're doing because they've been in touch with all this stuff way before we have. So it may look evil to us now. But until we learn what they know, we might actually end up working with them. I mean, it's not the first time like the good guys ended up working with the bad guys eventually, because now when they come to an agreement, then yes, we know that we can't just keep fighting. We'll just cease fire and we'll help you. That's kind of where I think it's going. So I, I think they're ultimately good because they genuinely they genuinely want what's best for humanity. Even though they kind of want to position themselves at the top of it all, as they go into their plans, so yeah, I think they're I think they're good. If I had to classify it, yeah, probably good.
0: Nice. For me, I think um, I think that they've, you know, they've kind of painted the Fatui to be bad guys in general. Um, but you know, whether the Harbingers themselves are good or evil might be like a whole, totally different thing. Obviously, they've. We've, we've um sympathized with child with Scaramouche, and even senora to a degree um but i think that we like i think that most of them are going to be painted in some like good misunderstood picture um i'd be really curious to see if Dottore ends up being like on the side of humanity because he really feels like he's like kind of selfish and um that you know even like what he's already done has been really selfish um And so, um, you know, and we still don't know if the gods are considered good or evil, like, you know, in the end, actually. But um, I think that there will be some harbingers who we probably won't get to play as and are probably just evil. (laughs) And then I think that um, we will see some... Uh, backstory to some of these characters. I really want to play as Arlecchino. <laughs> I really want to play as Columbina. <laughs> I really want to play as the Cap yeah. El Capitan. I really I actually want to play as Dottore. Oh, but uh, since like Capitano. since I hear rumors of like Dottore being a playable character, um, I I feel like he might he might be a good guy. Like they might. Like, oh oh, that's right. My my theory for Dottore was that there is good Dottores because there's so many Dottores. Yeah there's so, one of them one of yeah at least one of them is yes. going to be like on our mm-hmm. side and or at least like it aligns with us more so than on um, the Saritza and so I think that this Detorde will help us against the other Dottores and even maybe the Harbingers in general so so that's why I think Dottore like can have both good and evil but uh, but for most of them I think most of them are going to be good but some of them are not going to be good I think some of them are just going to be straight up evil and because you got to have some antagonists right like um, I don't know if they're, I would say that they're just a group of good guys. <laughs> like, even in the end, after we learn all their stories, I, I feel like I wouldn't say they're a group of good guys. But, you know, everybody has their own thing. So maybe they're victims of circumstance, kind of like child.
1: Um, but we'll see.
0: So Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait, tell me.
1: It'll be hilarious if, like, they bring a version of the Tore into the game that's, like, the tiny child version. No. And he'll be like the only <laughs> tiny child male character. That'd be so funny. And then you funny. can't help but feel bad for him. Like, you can't just you can't just give a character who's mean to Nahida and put him on a banner because no one's going to want to roll for him because they don't like his character. They've always positioned banner characters in such a way that you like them. So how do you make people like Dottore after he's done all this? Well, you introduce the cute chibi version. <laughs> oh my god. No, dude. No, then, no. There you go. Yeah, make him a child a claymore user. <laughs>
0: uh there was like uh, one of the, one of the things is that a lot of people are really hoping for um was like more more tall guys. <laughs> so like
1: every one of them. Yeah. Yeah, they have, they have the same stature yeah but it's it's cool i I think cool guys yeah i just think
0: that uh i'd be i i want to see like as much variation as possible i guess so you know for me it's either way but i think that Dottore would probably like maintain his look um so like his like blue hair tall guy look but um yeah i think you have to be a different kind of character to be like a chibi so but i would love to see a chibi boy character that'd be really interesting um so yeah, so let's let's move on to some of these uh, community answers. So you know, what do we know so far? What do you think? Harvard is good or evil? Um, so Primo Gem is God says good. Looks are everything. If they look good, they're
1: definitely good. All right. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I can argue with that because I mean, when you yeah. saw Zhang He's a mortician, and he's wearing black, but he looks good, and he turned out to be a good guy. So yeah, that's the sound logic. What is that? Okay. All right. I'm not going to say anything. Moving on. <laughs> Dendro, Femboy, Febs.
0: I mean, dot, dot, dot. They're kind of Fatui because child is Fatui. So Fatui equals bad and bad equals evil. Happy face. Yeah. See, see, sound logic right there too, Kahi. What are you, you going to say about exactly. that? Exactly.
1: Yeah. Every Every step of that phrase was perfect. Oh. I have no idea where that was going, but... <laughs> I have I have no uh, issue with this. There is logic.
0: So there basically, logic saying that um, child is bad. Also, all right. So the mm-hmm. traveler, yep. the traveler says, I treat the harbingers like I treat child. Annoying because you have to fight them, but can be good if they tried. P.S. Do you think that every element will get their own area on the map? Hashtag down under. <laughs> nice. Uh, good eye, Mike. Oh, good eye. So, um, I treat the harbingers like I treat child. And I say, okay. So they could be good if they tried. I like that. Like it's kind of like um, we, you know, again with this, with child as an example of like us being sympathetic toward their backstory. Like if they want to help, they can, but maybe they're helping the Saritza for their own reasons. So and maybe if we get rid of those reasons, or maybe we get rid of the saritsa's influence, maybe they'll join us. Right? Like maybe if we say like we have something enticing for them to join our side, um, then they might just join us. You know, so we'll see. But the, I mean, their the whole thing is loyalty is a thing. But who knows? Like, we don't know how they got together. We don't know what what the circumstances are. So, um, but Child seems to be really, what is it? Like, Child seems to be really keen on helping the tsaritsa attain her vision. Isn't that right?
1: Didn't he say like he wants to, to help the tsaritsa mm-hmm. Yeah, because they helped him and his family, so he feels like you know a sense of responsibility to pay them back but also a sense of loyalty because you know he's he's a free spirit wandering spirit but he has something to still be his guiding light so i it's i don't know what kind of relationship that is to the sarita but he he does you know he is loyal because he feel like he feels obligated to but doesn't focus on that obligation as his reason
0: yeah Yeah, so we'll see how that that ties in later once we actually encounter him again in the story, maybe even in his, you know, harbinger position. Like, maybe he's we fight him on the other side. But he's still on our team, so that'd be really funny. (laughs) So, um... uh, This PS, do you think every element will get their own area on the map? Yeah, it's assumed that, like, we'll get all the nations, we'll go to all the nations of the seven elements that we have so far. So, um... I think they, we will get our own area on the map for everything. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Um, and I like the hashtag Deonenda. So great, great. Um, next is Griffles. Their chaotic disturbances would be classified as evil. However, they act with blind loyalty to the Tsaritsa. Also, they are likely in the dark of the Tsaritsa's true end goal and are just agents of chaos. What do you think about that, Kai? Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that too. I believe that
1: because the the main harbinger hit, I mean, if you didn't already know this, we had an episode like where we were talking about the inspiration for the harbingers. All of their names come from this particular like uh, pr- performance troupe in Europe. Um, and I like the names, uh, Pulcinella, Arila Kino, Tartaglia are those names of those members of the group. Um, I forget that the, I forget what this was, but there's a a YouTuber by the name of Marco Meatball. Please look at his, look at his channel, people. If you're listening to this, that guy is a great. He's a ex um, opera singer, and he has like incredible knowledge about like symphonies and orchestras and music. So he was talking about like the character that the first Harbinger is based off of is actually known for being slightly gullible and also slightly easy to manipulate. So I do like this particular um, statement by Griffles, Like, although they are likely in the dark, also they are likely in the dark of Saritza's true end goal, they are just agents of chaos. Yeah, I I totally believe that. Um, I just, if the Saritza is planning to just leave all the harbingers like down here while she ascends to godhood, while under the guise of trying to take over authority from the gods, That could be a really great betrayal, because I want to know how the Saritza would end up, you know, meeting her end, because are all the Harbingers going to turn against her, and then that's when they become good on our side? That'd be great, but yeah, I I totally believe this.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe she'll do something to reveal her true nature, and then they'll all turn against her at the same time, who knows? Um... So Sam says, I think that kind of depends since all the ones we've met so far have tried to kill you, but child is nice to you, but also uh, uh assigners, maybe senora. senora. Yeah, yeah. I think that, yeah, that autocorrected, senora. Yeah. So uh, child is nice to you, but also senora seems to have no respect for human life. Yeah, she was kind of like, you know, cold. <laughs> I mean, that's her thing, but like. She was, uh, definitely, you know, when she got venti and the way she talked, I think it was hard to see her as like a, a good guy character in any way. But then, you know, you find out like through her, you know, demise ultimately that, you know, she had her own hardships that she went through and her own reasons, but we'll never know supposedly, um, you know, we will never know from her at least like why she did what she did or why she was there. So, um not like in the, in detail. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, but cause I, I think like, it's about like she lost a lover or something like that. Right. Um, I don't know. I'll, Ooh, I'll, I don't know about yeah, that. I'll look it up that later, she, but she, she, yeah. she, she <laughs> like, you know, I know it's like, she doesn't want to be called a witch and, and all this stuff. So, um, it was pretty sad from what I remember. I remember the emotions, not the story. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> the time yeah. semantics. Right. So, um, Lex Lutho again. Hello. Welcome. Uh, says evil, but only pawns of greater evil, even beyond the Saritza, who I think is just m- a more amorally trying to establish morally. Yeah. yeah. Trying to establish global SNS dominance. So, you know, basically trying to establish global Sneznayan dominance at all costs, you know, whatever she has to do. Um, A pawn of a greater evil beyond the Saritza. That's interesting because Saritza is painted as the top bad guy right now. Um, There is potential for Celestia, some beings within Celestia, to be considered bad guy, which is why Saritza is going against them in the first place. But um, Saritza right now is the one we're trying to stop, as well as the Abyss Order and and all this stuff, right? Because we still have the Abyss Order. And technically, your sibling is the leader, is what we understand. And then Saritza is leader of Sensnaya and the Fatui. So, and those are the two groups that are constantly uh, we are fighting against. So, uh, I think that that's interesting to think that she's being controlled by someone else. Because I think we're just not even that far yet. We haven't even met her yet. So, it's kind of hard to imagine that there's an even greater evil behind the curtain. But what do you think,
1: Kahi? I mean, I wouldn't doubt that there's always going to be a greater evil above just who we're thinking now because we're only seeing like what we can see from our perspective and the effects from all the people that are within our vicinity even if there are the countries away but what about the countries further than that we don't know how they're interacting with the rest of the world so it is plausible that there is someone controlling even the Tsaritsa. but i i kind of doubt it because that seems to be too many levels of control like you know like for example if the harbingers are being controlled by the top three harbingers top three harbingers are being controlled by the tsoritsa and the sorita is being controlled by someone else it just it doesn't feel i mean from a writing perspective it seems uh kind of plain like if you just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again like everyone every, eventually people are gonna get tired of that story Like if you kill the bad guy and then just like, oh, hey, he was working for me, and you kill that guy. Oh, he was working for me, and you kill that guy. Oh, he's working for me. I just, it's, there's a level of repetition that you need to eventually stop and just completely go in a different direction. It's kind of the reason why a lot of animes have like arcs or like a lot of stories have arcs because, you know, there's a big ongoing story in the background, but let's focus on this one for now. And then once that's done, let's see how we kind of Tied back into that big main story I yeah genu- i genuinely hope she's sorry Sorita isn't under control over someone because i think it could have been way more i guess meaningful when we meet that that bad guy yeah but, yeah
0: we'll see like, we'll see what happens could, i man. mean i think uh that it's possible for sure so um nice prediction Lex Luthor let's come back in five years and see if it's correct (laughs) um (laughs) uh let's see uh I honestly don't think we're gonna get to Sneznaya for like three more years or something two more years
1: maybe um because I'm starting to believe that I didn't believe it before but I'm starting to believe it now
0: yeah it's two years we're at the fourth nation and um there's still so much stuff going on in the story and um yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll see. We still have. Uh, plus, we don't know. Like our journey could be totally interrupted. We could think that we're going like, okay, we're gonna go to all the all the nations, but then maybe something happens and we get thrown off that path. Um, we'll see. So, okay. So um, next is Peachy on Genshin. Good intentions, but our perspective is them looking bad, and circumstances make them look bad, and they're also doing it in a bad way, like stealing gnosises. They could have always communicated with Archons so i mean funny enough like was it like serisa did negotiate with <laughs> with jong lee and got his yeah, archon i mean his exactly, gnosis, right perfect example so clearly mm. they've they've done they've done stuff but maybe maybe venti didn't want to give up his and so they took it and uh raiden gave hers away i believe um but yeah i i think you know We'll, we'll we'll see what's happening. But everybody's operating in a totally different way. I think, like, the like, Torre versus Senora, like, um, versus the Balladeer. Like, the way that they
1: operate is all totally different, so. But there have, I like how there's definitely been instances where they tried diplomacy first. Right. Yeah. They're not all just the, I think ex- destroying everything. I think the exception was Senora. Because when Senora first showed up, with you know in front of Venti she just challenged him in a way because it's easy to kind of understand that she would get irritated by Venti's personality but Zhongli uh specifically said that he made a deal with the Tsaritsa, not not Señora Señora was just there to pick it up so they have they know that they don't need to use force even in the case of Dottore Dottore didn't just you know attack Nahida, you know, him and his all, like, you know, arrogance, he just decided to walk up straight to her and just start talking and just, he he is selfish because he wants to gain knowledge himself. So they're not all bad, they just have very strongly contrasting you know, motives.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, the first time we're basically introduced to the Fatui is when Senora does that, so uh, it gives us this really, really evil impression of the Fatui, but then we meet Child and Um, you know, we're like, oh, this guy's a, this guy's a Fatui, but he is also number 11. So, (laughs) you know, it's pretty low on the, Mm -hmm. on the, on the chain. So, you know, that could be, uh, related in some way. Um, but okay, let's see. All right. And so our last, uh, comment is from, uh, username, kick underscore the underscore baby. So, (laughs) Um, we don't condone this behavior, but You're not condone. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so this uh, this user says, I think they're good because I don't like the unknown god, and she's probably from Celestia, and Fatui fights Celestia, so I'm with Fatui. Smiley face. So. Yeah, like how the unknown god plays into this, like we talked about the unknown god a little bit earlier how she plays into this and Celestia and exactly how they're connected and then how Fatui is against uh, Celestia or at least the Saritsa is against Celestia and the idea of Celestia and the gods. Um, How that fight's going to turn out is going to be really interesting. Whether like we're going to be, are are we going to be taking sides? Is there going to be sides? Like Fatui fighting Celestia, if you think of that as the two sides, where do we fit into that? Because we're not with either... I mean, we're kind of technically with helping gods, but if we find out that the reason that they're fighting j s are a good reason, then, you know, who knows where we will uh, support in when the time comes. So, you know, we still have a lot of characters to meet, a lot of story to go through um, before we get to that point. So um, uh, I'm really curious to see if this comes true in any way. What about you, Kai?
1: I am now really trying my best not to dislike a character from the first time I see them because they could turn out to be a really cool character or they could turn out to be, you know, on our side or they could have a complete cosmetic change like how Scaramouche is now the Wanderer and is a completely different element. Different color, everything. So I now know that that is possible and that they could have a change of heart as well as a change of drip. (laughs) Change of
0: drip? Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I mean, he. What, what happened to Scaramouche? Oh, I'll he had a change of drip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> change of drip. I just came up with that too. So, that's that's yeah, good. I like that. I'm, I'm gonna be a little bit more open-minded. I don't want to say everyone's a bad guy. I mean, even the Sorita, I'm convinced that she's not gonna be like just ultimate evil. Yeah, maybe I've, she just genuinely wants to do something for a reason.
0: I mean, I would love to be able to play as all the Archons. You know what I mean? Like, if possible. So. Oh yeah, we're going to we're going to need some sympathy on her side if we're going to be able to play her because I don't think, you know, because the way that the people in your party interact with you, it's like they're your friend. I don't you can't just like put bad guys in your party. So, um, yeah, we'll see That's how hilarious. it is. Um, so great. So, guys, thank you so much for answering our community question from last week. And, um, you know, as always, if you want to keep answering, feel free to. If you want to tweet at us your, your thoughts and your discussion, feel free to as well. Uh, as far as the next community question for next week, what kind of character do you want Focolars, the Hydro Archon to be? Share an example if possible. Um, so the only thing we, we don't know much about uh, the Hydro Archon. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody that hasn't finished the story, but um, you know we we have an idea that she's like different, eccentric, you know, um, weird. So we have this kind of impression, knowing that Fontaine is sort of a. Um, uh, Steampunk ish uh, old version of France. Like, if you have any interesting ideas for what she could be like, um, she's also like uh, there's also like a court system there, and, and they're they have like she's kind of like the grand judge in a way, the grand justice. And so, you know, what kind of character would she be? I'm really curious to hear from you all um, what you think and what you want her to be, maybe even. So that is it for today that wraps up the show as always thanks for listening if you have time please leave us a comment and a review we'd really appreciate it don't forget to subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you are listening uh follow us on twitter once again at genshin guys pod um, kahi where can they find you
1: k-a-h-i-y-a-o pretty much everywhere and um yeah genshin guys pod definitely send us some questions we really like answering your questions, too, like because we, we post our questions to you a lot. But, I mean, it's great whenever you send us a question because it gives us like another thing to talk about, another great discussion out of it. Um, so, yeah, feel free to send us questions your, our way.
0: Yeah, send us some questions uh, as, as well as um, follow me on Twitch. I stream pretty regularly. Um, Twitch.tv slash jside. Um, I would love to get, um, maybe I'll announce this a little bit earlier in the podcast next week, but, um, I would love to get to 30 followers from this podcast, um, to do a special Genshin in real life stream of me showing off all the Genshin things I've gotten here in, while in Japan. Uh, I've been to the events. I've been to the cafes. I have a bunch of stuff I would love to share with you all. Um, some of the stuff I got in the experience, um, uh, but I would love to make that, uh, the, I would love to do that after reaching my goal of 30 followers, so um, I will post more information about that and I will talk more about it next podcast, um, but hopefully see you soon. Uh, follow my Twitch channel if you see me, um, say hi in the uh, in the chat. Um, whether or not you come from, whether or not the followers come from this podcast or whether or not they just show up, um, I'm going to do it anyway. So. Um, you know, please come by and stop by, say hi and follow if you have the time. All right. So, um, that's the end of our podcast. And as always, Ad Astra, Ad Shien Enjoy.